Greetings, listener. Welcome to Committee Quest. Hello, and welcome to Zone of Truth, the podcast connected to Committee Quest, where we don't play D&D, but we talk about it often. Uh, today is another in our DM series, and today I am joined by RJ Cresswell, a teacher and game master from Texas. Uh, hello, RJ. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries, Matt. Uh, we are going to be talking about D&D at school, uh, D&D uh, in the classroom perhaps, or and, and D&D clubs a little bit. Uh, we recently were both on a Twitch stream where we talked about setting up D&D clubs. Um, we want to sort of move into some of the other stuff we've both been doing with, with D&D at school. So, um, RJ, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and um, when you got started with uh, running games at D&D? Sure thing. So my name is RJ Cresswell, and uh, as has already been mentioned, uh, I am uh, I run a D&D club at my middle school where I teach art. I am in my 10th year of teaching. I haven't taught art the entire time. I did social studies for several years mm-hmm. prior to teaching art. Um, in addition to that, I'm a husband and father. I've got a couple of daughters, both ages uh, are ages uh, 10 and 8, and I do play D&D with them as well. Awesome. Um, I am a dungeon master. I've currently got five ongoing games, including a couple of uh, live streams that I do for D and D. And yeah, and I'm in my fourth year with this D and D club. And as far as when I got started running games, uh, I started in 1993. That's when I began playing, and I kind mm-hmm. of began flirting with you know being a game master, kind of off and on, on where. Um, I don't know if you've ever played it, but there was this Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles RPG. My, and, yeah, my brother, my brother had that, and uh, I have never played it, but I spent most of my childhood uh, just reading and flicking through that book. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the time, I was, or you know, kind of like a little prior to that, I had been really into you know the Ninja Turtles, you know, uh, mm-hmm. television show and movies and stuff like that. Uh, but it was in this system, uh, the Palladium. Uh, mm-hmm. books role-playing game system and i kind of got introduced to role-playing through them you know like heroes unlimited riffs those kind of games but uh probably my my first game mastering experience was with teenage mutant ninja turtles and uh probably about 1994 i ran my first D game it took me a little while to get into D game uh, to get into D because uh my mother kind of bought into sort of the <laughs> satanic panic oh, stuff okay. and and I was allowed to play role-playing games, just not Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, you know? Well, I mean, you are most likely to summon a demon whilst playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So I understand. That, that. is that is true. That is true. Statistically, um, anyway. Yes, yes. Uh, but no, I, I probably ran my first D&D game in 1994. And I just flirted off and on with it throughout the years as I continued to play. But I didn't really get serious with it until they dropped 5th edition. Mm-hmm. And I hit it pretty hard and heavy. Uh, I also picked up Pathfinder around the time they did uh, 5th edition, and uh, I've just kind of been running pretty seriously uh, ever since. Yeah, cool. I'm, I'm very much the same. Fifth, I, I had only, I'd played Vampire before and um, a little bit of like 2nd edition D&D with my older brother, but 5th edition came out and, yeah, I went, um, have not stopped running D&D since really. Um, yeah. You said you got five, you're running five games at the moment? I am running five games. I've got they, a game. Oh, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. 
I was going to ask, are they all connected or are they all different? Or they're not all connected. I've um, I've got a game that I run with my daughters, and we're doing the Dragon of Ispire Peak, which came oh, yeah, with the cool. Essentials Kit. So mm-hmm. we're doing that one. I have a game that I do with uh, my high school buddies, uh, friends from high school that I started role-playing with. We uh, have stayed uh, connected together, and we're doing Storm King's Thunder. Yeah, I cool. have a local uh, D&D group, and currently we're in the middle of Dragon Heist, but we also have a uh, homebrew game that we've kind of put on hold just so we could do Dragon Heist. Cool. And um, in addition to that, I've got two D streams and they are both connected they're set in my homebrew world mm-hmm. uh the the players aren't interacting yet but i think we're going to do a crossover at some point but yeah okay. I, i've got all those games that's a lot of games man that's cool that's very cool yeah we'll um we'll put some links to those uh live streams on in the show notes so um if you want to check them out you'll be able to um so why are we talking uh we both run D clubs can you tell just a little bit about how you got started with the D&D club. So um, I got started. My wife is an educator as well. And she mm-hmm. had actually kind of like encouraged me, you should do a D&D club. And, you know, I kept thinking about it and I was trying to wonder how I'd do it. And then just a couple of other teachers at my campus came up to me. They knew I was into Dungeons and Dragons. We had played, you know, like Magic the Gathering before. They were, you know, really into that. And they just approached me about the idea of starting just kind of like a, a, a general gaming club, you know, mm-hmm. uh, n- not video games, but just, you know, board tabletop, games, card yeah. games. Yeah, exactly. Tabletop games. And yeah, I'd already been, you know, thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, sure. Sign me up. I'd love to do it. And uh, I agreed to do it. And specifically, I agreed to run the the role playing game portion of it. Okay, cool. Yeah, we, I had a very similar experience. Um, I, w- I started the club about three years ago. And it's, it was primarily a D&D club. And now it's moved into a, a tabletop gaming club. Although lately, it's only been D&D. But I've been okay with that. That's been good. Um, yeah. And you're now sort of transitioning from just doing the club to having a bit of time during school time to to run that as well, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I've got my D&D club that I've been doing for the last few years, and we basically meet once a week. We kind of do it on Thursdays, and we'll just stay after school for one to two hours and, and play. Uh, but as you've just mentioned, uh, I also have something that's new this year. And uh, essentially, I've got about 30 minutes every single day where students come to me and we just squeeze in as much D&D as we can uh, uh, during uh, that amount of time. And I see them, you know, five times a week. So, uh, right. yeah, I get to, yeah, just during the school day, during the academic day, it's kind of like a, a brain break for the students. And mm-hmm. uh, many of them elect to come in and play D&D with me. So. I'm All right, that's cool. How many, how many kids have you got in that group there? So we started off the year uh, with this club, and at the beginning I had like 30-something. Yeah. And uh, then for some reason they kind of like did a reset on the clubs and had all the students sign back up, and they asked everybody to put a cap on the amount of students. And uh... while I want – while I want as many students to play as possible, 30 something students was just hard to manage. Yeah, <laughs> and, for sure. 
and I just cut it back to 24. And yep. I figured with with 24 students, I could have, you know, uh, four tables of six, and that would be a little more manageable. So yeah, okay. cur- currently, there are 24 students in there. Well, I mean, being at capacity is a really good sign, you know, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. And, so, right. and, you know, and kids, kids, you know, uh, they vote with their feet, you know, like if they want to be there, they'll be there. And if you've got exactly. all of them there, that's really, really cool. How are you, how are you managing that? Have you done some like DM training or something for, for kids to run games? Oh uh, yeah. And I'll get to that. And I just want to say, you know, being at the maximum, uh, you know, being at capacity is great. I felt really bad though. Cause I had so many students that didn't get to sign up in time <laughs> yeah. and they were just coming to me, you know, like, you know, it, like really kind of like heartbroken. And I was like, I feel so sorry, you know, uh, yeah. but, uh, I had to put a cap on it. That is really tough. You might have to see if you can rope another teacher into also running it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that, that is kind of like one of the things I'm thinking about for the future. Uh, sorry. I went off on a tangent. What was your question? I apologize. Uh, um, oh, how are you, um, how are you run like running that? How are you get, if you've got six table, uh, four tables of six, have you done like, training with those little with the dms for those tables or have there are they kids that have already been running games gotcha some of them have a little bit of experience i think mm-hmm. one of them has a little bit of experience but the other three uh for the other three tables uh did not have experience and given that i only see them for 30 minutes you know i didn't want to get into a situation where you know, I'm spending the first several days of this club just talking with the dungeon masters about how to run the game. So mm-hmm. essentially, you know, it's kind of been trial by fire. You know, yeah. I um, I just kind of divided them up into tables. And on the uh, not the first day, but the second day, I was like, OK, who's going to be the dungeon master for this table? And we got that resolved. And essentially, we've got, you know, four tables of six. Each table has a dungeon master. There's also a backup DM at each table in case that dungeon master isn't there. And kind of the way that I've been working it is I'm basically acting as a co-DM for the entire group. Okay. And I'm, I'm essentially kind of modeling DM skills for them. Okay, so, cool. So, you know, if a table needs help, I'll step in. But essentially, you know, I've we've we've really only done one adventure because, again, like I said, we're we're 30 minutes. So we don't Mm. get to make a whole lot of progress over the course of of uh, a session. But basically kind of the way I've run it is is, you know, I've just kind of like presented them with this little adventure they were going on. And I would uh, once more just kind of like model what I think to be kind of like, you know, good DMing. And then I would, you know, kind of break from what I was doing and have the dungeon masters at each table kind of take over, you know. Yeah, okay, and, cool. And and basically, um, you know, kind of, kind of what I'm doing with it is I'm just trying to hit all of the the pillars, you know, social exploration, combat, stuff like that. And I'm essentially trying to, you know, teach them D and uh, D as we're, as we're playing basically. Yeah. For, okay. So, uh, so are you creating those adventures or are you using something that's been made up? I just kind of created an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, kind of basically um, what we've done is, I just uh, kind of had everyone's character start at this springtime festival, you know, and there were like so many students who had not played D&D, but they were super interested. And, you know, after we had our characters, you know, I'm like, okay, you're at this festival. There are all these games 
uh, that you can choose to participate in. And essentially, we just started off with kind of like some skill checks that seemed like they went along with uh, whatever particular games they were. Mm -hmm. And um, just as we were doing skill checks, you know, each table would get the winner for that game. And I would just tell them that they won sort of some sort of prize that could be useful to to their character that they could add to their inventory or, you know, Mm -hmm. what have you. And so we just kind of like started off with those those skill checks and then kind of like at, after we spent a couple of days of, of doing skill checks and games um i kind of had these awakened shrubs just kind of emerge from the forest and they could hear kind of like this this growl from the forest and these shrubs came out and began you know attacking so then we got into a little bit of combat and you know i kind of explained to them you know how their how the combat was going to work and you know uh again kind of did a little modeling for them and then i just turned the dms over and i said okay here are your stats for the awakened shrubs you know how your player's character sheet should work uh, roll initiative and let's begin and they mm-hmm. did that and kind of like did that con con uh combat and after the combat you know i was like okay you know town master comes out and you know, uh, wants to find out what's going on. So, you know, over the next kind of couple of days, I just had them do, you know, a little bit of role playing where they kind of like met the other players at their table, met the other characters at their table. And then I had them uh, through their DMs kind of interact with this town master to kind of like accept this quest if they wanted to. And then from there, they just kind of like headed into the woods and we did this whole kind of skill challenge thing that eventually came to sort of this climax fight. And we just wrapped that up yesterday and now they're at second level characters and we're going to spend the next few days learning how to level our characters. Oh, that's very cool. This is uh, literally teaching D&D at school. That's... um. That's very good. I think I think that combat is a really great way to start, especially when you're like training DMs because, you know, it's a lot less to manage and a lot less that you need to really uh, try and think about. And like managing social interactions uh, can be quite difficult for for young kids to sort of negotiate, whereas combat you can be like, right, everyone has a turn and these are the goals, you know. So that's, um, that's awesome. Um, and going forward, uh, will the DMs be like rotating, or are they or do people are people sticking as as DM for for their table, or how how are you working with that? So kind of one of the things that we, you know, I had a discussion with them today since they kind of like finished up their adventure yesterday. I had them, you know, I I think it's important not to just end an adventure and say, okay, you're level two. So we came back today and, you know, I was like, okay, for about the first 15 minutes of class, I basically want you to role play getting back to town and then meeting with the town master to collect your reward and what have you. And then for the next 15 minutes after that, I want you to talk at the table with your dungeon master and kind of explain the type of D&D game you would like to play. And I want everybody to have input in Dungeon Masters. I want you to take notes because now you're about to start designing your own adventures. And we kind of left off that with that today. And I said, you know, for the next few days, you'll be leveling your characters and Dungeon Masters will be working on setting up your next adventure. So from this point going forward, we're going to stick with the same Dungeon Masters mm-hmm. and they're just going to kind of like come up with their own adventure, own adventure, and I'm going to uh, help them as they need it. And uh, fortunately, but also unfortunately, with the way my um, my club works during the school day, about every six weeks they swap. So I may have, you know, a lot of new players. So I um, imagine, you know, kind of, 
probably every six weeks I'll be establishing new dungeon masters and maybe not starting from scratch, but there will be several new players and we'll just kind of have to redo, you know, some of this uh, again when yeah. they make that switch. Okay. Um, sorry. I just need to clarify. In a, so in Texas, you guys have just started. It's like the start of your teaching year. Yeah. About six We've been seven. in school for, I think this is the seventh week. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. And how are your like semesters and terms broken up? Have you got like um, uh, broken up into two semesters with yep. uh, three six week grading periods? Uh, okay. I see. All right. Okay. All right. So then that's how the six weeks works. Okay. Cool. That's very cool. Um, so constantly getting new people, constantly more people learning what to do. It sounds like you're starting a D and D revolution at your school. RJ, <laughs> I certainly hope so. <laughs> uh, <they're, laughs> That's awesome. I, I'm constantly uh, getting new people coming and asking for permission slips to come to the after school club. So mm -hmm. uh, that hasn't stopped yet. You know. Yeah, so. that's cool. We, I'm, I'm getting the same with my D and D club. We've got uh, our seniors are off. We're coming to the end of our teaching year here. Uh, so our senior kids who have been running have been working as DMs as three of them who have been running tables. Um, and then there's two teachers as well. Those three are leaving. So I, I said to the the juniors, I'm like, Hey guys, you guys are going to have to step up and be DMs. And we've started like a DM training club at lunchtime. So once Very a week, cool. these kids have been coming in and they've been making towns and finding monsters that they're going to, you know, incorporate into adventures and stuff. Um, and as a result of that, because the younger kids are starting to run, their friends have been coming and asking for slips to come to the D and D club, you know. So it's very, very cool. cool. Yeah, it's it's doesn't really feel like work most of the time when you're doing D and D stuff. I agree, and I, I love having this little break every single day. You know, yeah, it's so it's it's super nice. Yeah. Um, so what are you doing for resources? Are you guys doing uh, tactical combat with battle maps, or are you doing theater of the mind? And do you have do you have like a collection of players' handbooks for leveling up or are you using online resources? How are you going about that? So um, currently what they've been using, and you know, keep in mind we just started, um, is they've been using dice, character sheets, player handbooks, and we've been doing a lot of theater of the mind. Mm -hmm. um, that being said, uh, thanks to kind of like awesome people on the internet who donated to this uh, – GoFundMe, I did. Um, I've been able to give all of the students who have joined their own sets of dice, mm -hmm. and I have several sets left for anybody who joins, you know, uh, some of the later six week periods. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to that, um, I have currently given out uh, 10 starter sets, either the basic set, the essentials kit, or the Stranger Things uh, version of the starter set. Oh, so yeah. uh, a lot of the students have their own to kind of like go start their games outside of school. But we also have Dungeon Master Guides, Monstrous Manuals, uh, uh, maps, minis, Dwarven Forge pieces. Oh, uh, wow. Spell area of effect templates, combat risers. Um We've got a lot of stuff. I just didn't want to overwhelm them and inundate them yeah, with all sure. of this stuff until they know how to play the game, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I'm going to kind of gradually begin introducing some of this other stuff, not all at the same time, but just, uh, you know, I think probably within the next couple of weeks, we'll start breaking out, you know, 
maps and minis and dwarven forge pieces for them. That's very cool. And as and as DMs, you know, when you you sort of get inspired by that stuff as well, you know, like you see a mini and you're like, hey, that's cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that as my my monster. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's a cool thing. Once you sort of get the grasp of the game to to move forward that way, um, that's really cool. Um, have you been? So I've I've sort of been lucky in that I've been able to run D and D as a as a lesson, like a subject. Um, is that something that I know you're doing this as like an activity? Is there any possibility of you being able to use it at school in any other way? I'm sure that you know if I were teaching you know English English language arts or something like that mm-hmm. um, that probably my administration would trust me you know um with that i do teach art though so there's i i don't really have a good way to justify it with the skills that i'm supposed to be teaching them you know um um but that being said you know while i am you know approaching it with them as a game and so we can have fun you know we kind of did a session zero where you know we kind of like spent the first couple of days you know talking about D and character classes and races and backgrounds alignments and but we also kind of like set some norms you know don't be on your cell phone respect each other uh, we're mm-hmm. not playing evil characters and then you know i said and while this is a game where we can choose to engage in combat and fight i really want you to you know try to focus on problem solving teamwork and you know conflict resolution so while i'm not really doing anything academic i am trying to approach it you know with some of the the social skills you know yeah uh, which is really important. I found that um, when I started the D&D club, I had a lot of online gamer kids, kids that do a lot of online gaming come along, and their table interactions were as if they were in a chat room and like the way they were sort of talking to each other and, and, and behaving. I was like, guys, you know you're actually sitting at a table and if you talk that way to people, it's offensive. Uh, and you're not hiding behind a screen. And we we had these really good discussions about, uh, you know, etiquette in gaming. Uh, yeah, so teaching that is is actually something that needs to be taught, you know, because a lot of kids aren't spending their time sitting around a table uh, playing face-to-face with people these days. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I saw, you know, some of the same behaviors and we had to have a little bit of a talk, you know, and I kind of reinforced some of the stuff we talked about in our session zero. And, you know, kind of when we, you know, picked alignments and everyone kind of had an idea of what alignment uh, was and what each of them meant. You know, a lot of them were <laughs> were uh, choosing chaotic neutral. And then after a couple of days, you know, I had to, you know, without making anybody feel bad, just kind of, you know, stop things and be like, okay, your character may be chaotic neutral, but you're not chaotic jerk. Let's talk yeah. about, you know, <laughs> let, let's talk about how you speak to other people, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, had to, um, so. I had to use gaming terms and I told them that we're turning friendly fire off. And they were like, what? I'm like, there's no, there's no friendly fire. You can't, you can't hit your teammate. They were like, oh, well, how, oh. And this sort of made them, sort of forces them to engage in the, in the problems that are being set by the adventure as opposed to the problems they're creating with their party mates, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'll have to remember that. I haven't quite phrased things to them in that way. <laughs> yeah. Turning friendly fire off. Yeah, it's the only way I could get get really get them to, and it was cool because sometimes I, I could do like if a character was doing something really 
inappropriate or, or or cruel and vindictive, I could do things like, well, friendly fire is now on. So uh, if you want to continue, and so that sort of created a bit of um, made table management a bit easier. You know, you could be like, well, yeah. if you're going to continue that way, these characters are going to react in a negative way to what you're doing. Uh, so that was that was very handy. Um, is there anything else that's going on with your D&D daily sessions uh, that you wanted to discuss or anything else you wanted to add to that? In terms of what's going on with the daily sessions, not really. said, you know, we have a very short amount of time. I've kind of managed to get them through this, you know, first session. And just, you know, I'm looking forward to spending the next few days uh, just kind of like, you know, uh, backing off of the pace of like really trying to get them to a stopping point every day that makes sense to just kind of spending a little time with them, you know, talking about their characters and, you know, talking about how we move them from level one to level two and, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of, you know, taking the temper of, I mean, I know they're enjoying it, you know, but uh, just looking forward to spending a little more time interacting them, you know, feeling the temperature of the room of what's going on and what people are thinking about the game and everything. So, yeah. Okay. That's cool. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about what I've been doing. Uh, well, what I did last year, I got the opportunity to run D and D uh, in my English classroom. So our last term of the year is only seven weeks of teaching. And I had put, I sort of had decided that I'm going to run that as a unit of D&D. I was working with a class, uh, an English class that were um, sort of like a, we call it English essentials. And it's for kids that are struggling with language skills. They might have le learning difficulties or behavior problems. Um, and it really gets them set up before they step, go into their senior years. And I'd spent like three terms with them and they were in a really good spot. So I had a, this chance to use D&D &D, and it was like the best thing I ever did. We, the way that our week worked is we had two single lessons and then a double lesson. And we spent the first two weeks making characters. So I did something very similar to you in that I was sort of telling a narrative and everyone in the classroom was rolling dice depending what they chose to do, you know, so they could look at their their skill sheet and, and roll dice. And that was just a bit of fun getting them used to the language and whatnot. Then we made characters and used Hero Forge and they had to write a description. Um, and then we did five sessions of, we did five double lessons of D&D. &D. And I had a, a friend of mine from the local theater company, the youth theater company come in and, and run a game. And we had two, two tables of about eight, it was pretty big, but I only had, I had 16 kids and I didn't want to run a game with 16 people, which would have been disastrous, I think. But we had, uh, so two tables of about eight, depending on who came. And every Thursday we ran this, ran a game, and I used a sort of modified, modified version of Storm King's Thunder's Adventurers League. They've got like a, the first adventure from that is like five one-hour adventures. And I kind of modified them a little bit to connect to a, a different storyline and it was like amazing i had these kids that have been disengaged with school for three years uh coming in on thursday mornings extremely keen like, and they're also kids that have never would never have thought to have played DD before um coming in excited to play the, the feedback i was getting from uh, my friend was like oh yeah the, such and such he was engaged keen helping solving problems and these are all things that a student like this no one's ever said anything like that about this student you know it just really highlighted what the game can do uh, 
to assist young people who are sort of struggling. But from there, we did each at the end of each session, we did uh, a journal from the point of view of their character, and then the last, well, the second to last one was a persuasion piece. So we did persuasive writing, and whoever whoever's persuasive piece was the best, that's the one we used in the game to persuade an NPC. Um, and they loved that because they all got to, they'd spent the last four, four or five weeks just playing and being really immersed in it. And they had all these points that they could talk about and why this person should, should help them out. Um, and it was just, it was like the best term of teaching, you know, because it was uh, every day I was going in and playing D&D and I had all these kids that were keen and interested about their characters. And we kind of leveled up to about level three in, in those five weeks. Um, and finished with like a big a big combat session that was uh, the two groups were linked together and and things like that. Um, but it was most definitely something that you can that was easily put into a classroom. Uh, if you look at like the we have general capabilities here, and it's things like literacy and numeracy, which is pretty straightforward. But then also critical and creative thinking and ethical understanding. Um, these are all things that we were every single game we played touched on all of them, you know, um, and I got full support from like my administration, which was fantastic. Um, and looking, we're kind of looking at creating it as a, well, I'm looking at creating it. I haven't been told I'm allowed to yet as creating like a, an English subject that is around D and D or world building and, or, creativity in general uh, just because of the success of that. And there's another teacher who's running uh, video game design and we're thinking of doing a crossover somehow because they do a lot of building in, in Minecraft and things like that. Um, so very exciting stuff, you know, being able to use this system in the classroom. Um, yeah. No, that, yeah. Sounds, that sounds really, really awesome. Uh, and, you know, I mean... <laughs> I'm sure the kids absolutely loved it, and it's really cool. You got to see, you know, some engagement from a student who's normally not such uh, so engaged. Um, and obviously, you were able to hit on your skills and stuff like that. But could I ask you, were you able to collect like any data that maybe supported, you know, other than just like engagement that in supported like like somehow maybe it had helped, you know, in, improve. Yeah. So I, as far as the literacy and numeracy, no, but what I did have was completed assessments uh, that passed mm -hmm. at, the, at the achievement standard, uh, which was for a number of the kids was a really big step up. You know, like I had, I had two students that had not submitted anything all year and they probably hadn't submitted anything for the first three years of high school, you know, um, and then by the end of that term, I had three pieces of written work, you know, uh, for, for, for both of them. Um, or maybe there was three or four of them that at least had not done a lot of work. And so that was the main data that I could go with and be like, hey, look, these people have done work. They've written words. They did drafts. Um, and they came to school every Thursday. So Thursdays at our school, we finish early. Uh, we do teacher training in the afternoons on a Thursday. And quite often kids will, some kids who are, uh, you know, a little disengaged of school won't come um, or will come late and, you know, just come for like a three-hour sort of 
time period. So that was the sort of data I could go with. I didn't really have anything that showed an in increase in literacy or an increase in, in numeracy, um, but definitely the sort of A to E grade data was was there for me to show. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and that's, yeah, it it's, helps to have that as opposed, like the anecdotal stuff was awesome, like going and telling my principal that, uh, you know, X, X and Y student uh, have been given feedback that they're engaged and interested and helpful. Uh, you know, that's amazing. But then also being able to go and they've submitted a piece of writing that is at the standard, which they haven't done for a long time. So that was very good. Cool. Very yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was uh, a good feeling. It was a good feeling. Um, so for you, RJ, what are your plans for D&D at your school moving forward? Uh, so as long as I continue teaching and as long as my continue to keep doing the club, I want to, you know, I've already got a lot of students involved with it. I'd like to grow it even more. And kind of like we were talking about earlier, I'd like to try to find some more sponsors, you know, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. to, to help grow it past what I'm capable of doing by myself. I really want to add more to our library of, of stuff that we already have. Uh, I'm kind of at the point now where I do have um the full core set for three of my tables but i'm still missing the player's handbook and monstrous manual for one of my tables yep. so i'm you know gonna try to get those pretty soon um and i'm kind of running out of starter sets so i'm hoping to pick up more of those because i would like to get dnd in the hands of more students <laughs> so yeah and that's that's the thing that's that's really it's hard. Like I have kids that come and tell me like, oh, I wish, I wish the D and D club was every week and I wish we could do it in the holidays. And I'm like, you can, you just need to do it yourself, you know? Um, but a yeah. lot of these kids don't have access to that stuff. Um, and I mean, we're exactly the same. I think we have three players handbooks and a monster manual and a DMs guide. Um, but that's it. And we don't have, uh, anything else. So, so getting hold of that stuff is, is really good. Uh, so if there is anybody out there that is listening and has access to those things, get in touch with myself or RJ Cresswell, um, uh, because there are young people out there that want to play D and D. Um, so where can people find you, RJ? So people can find me on Twitter at RJ underscore Cresswell. That's C-R-E-S-S-W-E-L-L. -L. And on there, I just kind of post about various D&D things, including the club that I run, the streams that I do. Uh, I do giveaways on there as well. I uh, like to do that. So uh, yeah, you can find me on um, Twitter. And also on Mondays and Thursday nights, I stream my D&D games for... Uh, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, and that is on the Tainted Lands channel. Tainted Lands. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, RJ. Um, it's been great to talk to you about D&D at school and D&D clubs. If you're listening and you are going to school or you're a teacher and you want some help figuring out how you're going to do this sort of thing, you can reach out to myself or, or RJ and we'd be happy to give you a hand. And also we were recently on a stream uh, for the Hobo Murder Hobo Incorporated where we talked to two other teachers about setting up D&D clubs. So there's a whole heap of information there as well. Uh, you can find that on Twitch. Um, so thank you for listening today and thank you for joining me today, RJ. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed talking with you again. Yeah, no worries, mate. Take care. All right, you too.
Hey folks, thanks for listening in. This has been another Committee Quest production. And hey, check it out. All of our music today has been provided by Retro Reverb Records, and you can find their details in the show notes. The ambient sounds have come from Sword Coast Soundscapes, who you can find on YouTube. And of course, if you enjoy what you're hearing, you can show your support for the Committee Quest team by becoming a patron, checking out the cool merch we've got available, leaving a rating or review through your podcatcher, or just spreading the word about us to your friends. So thanks again, and we hope you'll be tuning in again soon.